0: north south east Perfect. everything I do and say is purchased you really need
1: to ask yourself hello everybody and welcome to casual cognition we have a fantastic episode for you today I interview tank Diggs he's a hip-hop producer a vocalist and an all-around awesome human being you're hearing his music behind me right now which I will have the links to all of his stuff in the description of the episode and I highly recommend you check it out I know I have loved listening to it we're gonna talk today about his music some fun stuff about some bands we enjoy psychedelics and life in general of course it was such a fun episode and I definitely want to have tank on again so without further delay here is tank digs
0: Now I'm going I don't know if you want to do a three two one oh, you' fine no okay.
1: we can we can just roll right. we can roll so welcome to the podcast tank thanks for coming on man
0: thank you very much for having me
1: this is our uh this is our second attempt <laughs> we had a uh a little bit of a snafu last time that uh was uh one of those unforeseen and uncontrollable problems, so we decided to postpone it a week and here we are again.
0: Back at it like a crack addict.
1: <laughs> oh man. I might have something to say about that later. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I wanted to um introduce you to the folks at home a little bit real quick. Um you are I'd like to say you're a just a general musician and um artist, but um, primarily right now uh, as far as I know you're doing hip-hop producing and rapping and you've got an album on Spotify which I do want to get into later uh, One Trick Pony um, but you've been, you've been doing music and vocals for quite a while so that's why I like to call you a, just a general artist and musician but um, am I missing anything there?
0: Uh, no, I think you, uh, pretty much got an all around nice guy. That's <laughs> definitely part of it.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> besides just being a, a fine human being.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, thing. I consider myself a singer songwriter first and foremost, but when it comes to, I usually, um, I guess recently it's been more like just straight, like hip hop, hip hop, even though I do do a lot of singing. But in the past I've dabbled dabbled more in like alternative hip-hop uh, mm-hmm. what I would consider it and a lot more guitars and stuff like that and you can tell I was I was crossing over from a different genre for for a little while in my beat-making
1: yes yes I can definitely tell that and if you you previously were into metal vocals right
0: yeah I was in uh, I was in a couple uh, harder harder acts you would call them Uh, There is a hardcore band called signs of life. We put out a uh, EP called halo vision. I think it was like around 2008 2009 and uh, That was awesome. I was doing some rapping was doing a lot of screaming was doing a lot of singing Uh, Five-guy band. There's always the one crazy guy in the band in that band. There was our bass player Polly. Fantastic, guy. but there's yeah, there's always the one and stories. There's always Always one
1: at least one (laughs) I shouldn't say <laughs> sometimes it's a whole damn band, but yeah, there's always at least one,
0: yeah, and, uh, when you get a
1: when you get a bunch of creatives in a room together, like it's just it's almost inevitable that one of them is gonna be crazy, nah. This just how that's just how we are,
0: yeah, it's usually drummers, but in our case, like <laughs> bass players are usually the quiet ones that don't want the attention, they're off to the side, <laughs> keeping up that low end. But, well, uh, yeah. if you're
1: uh, if your instrumental desire is to bang on stuff with sticks, uh, you're probably a l- have a little bit higher propensity to, to be a little little on the crazy side.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's one of those things like we said. It's and it's more than just like our personal experiences, man. It's across the board. You talk to anybody who's been in bands, and they'll, they'll more than likely tell you it's the drummer. <laughs>
1: You look at um It reminds me of Ginger Baker The uh, Jimmy's the
0: drummer The drummer from Cream Oh I said Jimmy No it was Cream You're right
1: With uh, the, um,
0: Mitch Mitchell Was uh, Jimmy's drummer
1: Freaking Yeah yeah Mitch Mitchell was, was with Jimmy But yeah Ginger Baker Was with Eric Clapton And um, Jack uh, Jack Brewer I
0: think. Uh, that, that sounds right I don't remember 100% um, that sounds right the big red, I'm, I'm uh, probably, the big ginger, the big ginger afro. Well, yeah, ginger baker. yeah,
1: he had he had like a carrot top do going on. And yeah, that dude was a nut.
0: <laughs> That's why I brought up Mitch Mitchell because they were both like that. So I got to the, because they're both wild men like Keith Moon, like that vein of drummer. Yeah, uh, even yeah. Stuart, Stuart Copeland was known to go a little bonkers every once in a while, even though he was in the police. And you wouldn't suspect that uh, he was tearing <laughs> his kid apart in the middle of a show. Left with a oh snare God. in his hand, just banging the snare. Somebody
1: in the police. Roxanne. You know, <laughs> Roxanne! <laughs> you oh. know <laughs> Did you ever
0: hear about the beef in between him and Sting?
1: No, I didn't. Oh I can't God. imagine Sting. I can't imagine Sting having a beef with anybody. But that's hilarious. If, any, if anyone, it would be with his own drummer.
0: Right. They hated each other. It was really crazy. even in interviews. They like always trying to rip at each other uh court copeland used to set up with one of his symbols so that it would block the mic stand so he couldn't actually see Sting while they're performing oh my god apparently he used to write stuff on the on the on his uh skins like i hate Sting" and stuff like that while oh, he was like man. playing i think he chased <laughs> him out of the <laughs> every breath you take video shoot like it's crazy I with can... these guys
1: that's so funny dude i love that um i'm, I'm a big like musical um culture buff and sounds like seems like you are too like i love reading about about the bands that i'm into and like like seeing what goes on behind the scenes like that reminds me of um guns and roses you know they they had to get rid of their first drummer because he was a full-blown heroin addict and they were heroin addict um, i know sting was but or uh, slash not sting fucking slash was and then he got clean and I'm pretty sure Axel was, he was either an alcoholic or a heroin addict, but he eventually got clean. But their first drummer, they couldn't get him to get clean, so they had to, like, kick him out of the band and replace him with someone else. And, you know, anytime I, I read into bands and into musical culture in general, it's just like, it, it, it reminds me that, like, as as genius especially creative genius rises like the instability of other parts of people's personality and their lives also rises like it's it's so rare to find an artistic a true artistic like um like an incredible artist who stands out from the pack and who's better than everyone else who's also like well adjusted in the rest of their life
0: yeah that's that's a very interesting take. It's like uh, you ne- you need to face some some un- instability to uh to have just you know the the, the material to even sing about or to learn how to connect uh to emote to make somebody else feel an emotion that you're feeling through your music. I just have to really yeah. feel some real emotion before you can get to that point where you can.
1: Yeah and I've actually heard a lot of um, different either artists, uh, just artists in general, but also especially writers, um, who said something along the lines of like, I felt like if I got sober and if I got my life together, I wouldn't be able to do my craft anymore. I wouldn't be able to, to express myself in the way that I have been because so much expression in artists comes from a place of difficulty and pain and complication that everybody feels to some degree but I think that artists are are naturally sensitive people and so they they tend to feel things more and they often get into more extreme situations and so I've I've heard a lot of artists just say which I think is false but um, express that if they got their shit together, they wouldn't be able to create the same way that they they have.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fear of letting go.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because at some
0: at some point when they started, they weren't on heroin. They didn't start on heroin first and then started making yeah. music. They're making exactly. music first and then somewhere along the lines, they went down the other path.
1: Yeah, and I think it's people like miss. Uh, misconstruing. I have experiences that I'd like to express myself about, versus if I if I stop having those experiences, I'll have nothing to express myself about.
0: Hmm. Which
1: I think that we always have things that we can express ourselves about artistically, and it's it's going. It might change your your styling a little bit, but you can still like. Like, I've had a lot of crazy shit happen to me in my life. And one thing that I've learned about that is that not only can it, like, spontaneously hit without me wanting to do it, like, wanting to, like, experience that, like, I can get sad about something that's happened to me in my past without me wanting to at all. But I can also, like, like, decide, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to sing a song because I'm, I'm a vocalist. Uh, musically I'm a singer and like I can sing a sad song and and put myself into that place and and think about that experience that I had in that position I was in and it it doesn't like just because I'm not currently experiencing that doesn't mean that I can't just go back and think about it and and express that emotion that i was feeling at the time so it's like it's this false equivalence of like like you said it's like letting go like you can let go of that experience and still be able to express what you felt in that moment you can just be outside of it
0: yep might be a period of uh, transition from getting yourself off of that but i think it's definitely achievable I think you have uh, you're telling me about the pretty uh, pretty amazing story uh that you know personally.
1: Mhm. Oh I
0: don't, Wait, well, it, I don't know if you want to get I don't know if you want to get into it or not, but oh, oh, uh, sorry, I was yeah. I was just saying like that was just a great example of someone who has faced uh heroin addiction and has done great Oh yeah. Yeah, my uh,
1: friend. Yeah.
0: That's that's yeah, a that's that's a great story. I can't wait for you to record that uh, podcast. Oh so my gosh! It. <laughs> yeah, me
1: neither. He is he's one of the most impressive people I've ever met, and you know it's it's one of those things like most people who have done cool things artistically have had some difficulty in their lives and have gone through some struggle, and even if it, it even if that struggle is like their artistic journey. And I think that without trouble and struggle and difficulty, art kind of loses its um, its soul. And you can see that in, in like narrative writing where there needs to be a protagonist and an antagonist. And I think that creatively, like we need a protagonist and an antagonist in our lives and that antagonist can be in the past or it can be outside of ourselves like you know making art about um like randy newman is somebody who has made a ton of like cultural commentary music and people think of him as you know the guy who wrote you got a friend and me but a lot of that guy's stuff has been super fucking like poignant and controversial around various political issues and cultural issues and so it doesn't necessarily have to be within you and within just your experience like you can you can take stuff outside of yourself but I think that art kind of necessitates some kind of um, some kind of struggle some kind of protagonist and antagonist yeah uh, yeah
0: totally. It has to be some kind of conflict or resolution, or some kind of arc, or it's like some just something, something to latch onto uh, creatively, like again emotionally. For me, I'm a I think I'm a very emotional, very emotional writer.
1: Yeah, I think I can hear that in your music.
0: I also I also watch. Or sorry, I also don't think uh, I'm one of those guys that. Are oh, good? Gonna- I don't think I uh, – it sounds weird always talking about this. Forgive me. So there was an interview with Jeff Buckley. I don't know if, you've, if you follow him or know him or heard him in interviews. I've heard of him. Uh, he's, he's what – for me, he is the GOAT. He's, he's so fantastic, but that's another conversation altogether. But in this interview, he was talking about writing songs, and he was like he had the guitar in his hands, and it was just like he had to do something with his hands. Something had to work through him. He expressed it as if it wasn't even him that was writing it. It was a conduit or he hit a frequency spiritually that connected with some kind of muse that was working through him. And I always used to think that that was just a little bit like out there. And I I started thinking about my own writing and stuff like that. And I think I'm kind of like that. I don't think I really like know what I'm going to write about. I don't sit down with anything in mind. I know that I've already chosen a a piece of music or made a piece of music that made me uh, feel a certain way or give me kind of a direction to go in in like that respect. But it always always starts with one line, like there's no like concept, there's no anything behind it, which is like, even sometimes it's hard for me to describe when people are like, so what's this song about? I'm like, I I can kind of tell you what it's about. But, like, not 100%. You would have to fill in some gaps if you want. <laughs> yeah. And, again, that's the beauty of art, right? We can both look at the same painting and, and, and draw different different meanings from it. Yeah. It may not, and it may not be the meaning that the artist intended. But as long as you feel something, the important part is that connection. Whereas musicians, we're trying to do something that's, like, next to impossible, <coughs> which is, like, tap into the collective subconscious of all of humanity, impossible. <laughs> Or a large chunk of it.
1: Yeah. and
0: It's pretty crazy when you put it into context like that.
1: Oh, yeah. And Hank and I love talking about this particular concept of the muse. And we like to call it going fishing. Like when, we, mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're doing art and we're practicing what we're really doing, we're going, we're going fishing. And every now and then we'll get a bite of inspiration and we'll make mm-hmm. something great. but a lot of times you go out there and you throw your line out and you don't get shit and you just end up practicing or making something that you don't like and you know maybe it still is good in this way or that but it's not like it doesn't really capture what you wanted out of like what you were looking for
0: well they say that all the best songs you know like you know you have a hit because it's like written in five minutes and you're looking around the room like well what the hell just happened yeah My best painting
1: that I ever painted was was one of my early ones. And yeah, I, I like I got drunk and like had no idea what I was doing and painted this painting in like all in one session. And when people look at all of my different paintings, it's pretty much inevitable that they'll say that one's my favorite. And I think it's the best one I've ever done. And I it, it's all, I almost, like, hesitate to say that I did it because it seems so outside of myself. Right. And so, like, it, it was almost like a... Like, I wasn't, like, completely fucking hammered. I had I'd been drinking some beer, but... Um, so I wasn't, like, blacked out drunk so I can remember the whole process just fine. But it it didn't seem to be me that was doing it completely. Mm-hmm. It seemed to be like I was collaborating with something outside myself and bringing something forth that already existed and was just waiting for someone to to make it into reality.
0: Yeah, it's 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 weird to experience and it's weird to express because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like, like, you know, like I'm not wearing a tinfoil hat right now. This is like actually like, <laughs> real, but it's weird. Actually, getting back to when you talking about the band things and the chemistry in the room. Like, there's something about that energy within those four people with each other. And when one of them gets replaced, it can totally change the direction or the course of a band's career. I love using the Chili Peppers as an example because to me, they're a clear instance. Without Freshante, the magic was never really there. A couple of good tunes with Navarro, good album with Navarro, I would say. <clears throat> but the majority of the magic was when Freshante was in the room with them. Yeah. And there's something about those four guys in the room with each other. That chemistry and i haven't them, and, and, and i haven't heard
1: them. hardly anything out of them and what i have heard it just doesn't sound doesn't sound like the chili peppers like grease you and know, stuff like it they're you know the 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 iconic chili pepper songs kind of ended when he left
0: yeah definitely got more of a pop direction
1: yeah and that's you know that can be that can be explained away in some with some people like well, you know, maybe he was contributing this or that to the songwriting process and and more physical thing. But like, I am, I'm gonna put on my tinfoil hat with you and say that like, like, we've all got our own access to, to that creative muse. And when you have a collaborative effort, like a band, or a TV show or something like that and you take an element out of that it's not just their their physical contributions it's not just how somebody plays the drums or the guitar or the bass or sings like you're taking out a certain specific access to that creative energy and it it may be better I mean Guns N' Roses was better after they got rid of their first drummer but it's going to be different no matter what it's going to be different because now you have a whole a, a whole different dynamic a whole different access to that that realm you know and and i i fully believe that there is this sort of like ambiguous creative energy that we tap into when we're when we're trying to do something like music or or visual art or whatever and these things they they just exist out there already and we're trying to we're trying to bring them into into this into what we're doing now and you know when you when you take someone out of that when you take a, a full human being out of that it's going to change things no matter what
0: completely agree completely i don't and, know if you're uh, i don't know if you're an incubus fan they just changed their dj yeah. they're just just their dj who <laughs> was just like putting in odd elements and stuff like that. But when they switched kid life to uh Kilmer, like they, they lost a lot of the jungle beats. It was more like straight hip hop, which I still I like. I love the incubus their whole career. I'm not like poo-pooing them in any respect, but like all the crazy stuff from the science album started to straighten out as soon as the DJ left.
1: Well, and uh, you know, I mean the I, DJ, he probably did a lot of their producing too. And yeah, like that's, that's, that's another thing about a band is that like each individual thing and people don't think about the, the producing side or the bass player, or oftentimes even the drummer, but each one of those things is absolutely crucial to the sound. It's every single instrument that makes up a band is necessary for the final sound. And if you take one of those, pick one of those things out, then it's going to be different. And sometimes it'll be better if you replace them with somebody who's a little more committed or something like this. But it's going to change. And it doesn't matter if you're replacing the bass player. It doesn't matter if you're replacing the producer, the DJ, or whatever. Like you're you're replacing a core part of what that what that um, what that group is. What that collaboration is?
0: No, very true. Once again, can't disagree. Couldn't and argue that, the <laughs> point if I wanted to.
1: That's a uh, that's that's why uh, one of the reasons why you might uh, be into solo producing. It can
0: <laughs> Actually, be difficult to, be
1: com- to work with bands.
0: To be completely honest, off of One Trick Pony, I uh, I was watching this video on YouTube, and it was discussing Nas's or sorry, Little Nasx. And how he blew up with uh, one one what was that stupid called song? What one, one, I was gonna say, One um, Trick Road, Old Town Road.
1: Old Town Road, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I like the song. I don't even <laughs> want to poo poo that. But anyway, so uh, he was in this video. He <laughs> drops the name of the website where he bought the beat.
1: Oh really?
0: Yeah. So I went to go check it out. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> and all of the all of the beats that are on One Trick Pony were all like purchased off of this website. And oh, man. Uh, it's great, man! I've been able to work with producers from Germany, from England, from like all over the place, and they don't know that they've done songs with me yet. <laughs> Wait till they find out how good they are. <laughs> well, that's
1: that's like that's a part of it, you know. That's a part of. It's one thing that people don't realize about hip-hop. I was actually just joking with my buddy the other day. One of my favorite things is to find, like, the original song that some famous rap song is sampled from. So, you know the song Hits from the Bong by Cypress Hill?
0: Love Cypress Hill, yes.
1: Yeah, great, great band. Love them. So, Hits from the Bong is sampled from this <laughs> fucking... this. Country song from a female country singer named Dusty Springfield. i heard called the name Son of a son of a preacher man.
0: Oh, I know that song. Was the son of a about, preacher man. Yeah. What's <laughs> the told me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about it's about this girl getting seduced by the son of a preacher and they like sneaking around behind their parents. What part in that and song are they it's hitting a great the great song? <laughs> And, yeah, the fucking, yeah, if you listen to Hits from the Bong and then listen to uh, Son of a Preacher Man, that's where the main beat is sampled from.
0: Oh, I'm going to check that out. It's from fucking
1: Dusty Springfield. There is a website
0: called uh, Who Sampled where they do just that. They even give you the cues for where it is in the song. I'm sure it's up there.
1: I love that. I love that. That's so cool. I'm going to have to check that out. But uh, I just found out another one the other day. Um, This was one of my all-time favorite hip-hop songs, Regulators, Warren G, Warren G and Nate Dogg.
0: <laughs> Regulators, of course. up! Mount
1: up! Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I gotta love any kind of Nate Dogg song. Um, but that was sampled from Michael McDonald.
0: No way! <laughs> was,
1: yep. Michael McDonald, um, I Keep Forgetting. And it is hilarious to listen to that Michael McDonald song after being like a, a huge lover of that song. Since I was a kid, like regulators was one of my first like favorite hip hop songs whenever I was a little kid. And then just a few weeks ago, I had this Michael McDonald song pop up on my Spotify and I was like, what the fuck? This is <laughs> where they sampled that for regulators. That's and you amazing. know, I, and for anybody at home that doesn't know michael mcdonald he's like it's like this you know 80s kind of like like kind of like <laughs> serious love song type of thing this this song that he's doing you know i keep forgetting we're not in love anymore you know it's like the exact opposite of what you'd expect a a rap song, a famous rap song to be sampled from. It's about as far from the genre of regulators as you could get. And it works so perfect. So I love, I love the, uh, I mean, I've always been a big lover of just music being kind of moved around and used. And that's one of my favorite things about hip hop is that they take something that has been made by somebody in a certain way and they don't really change it that much in and of itself, but they morph it because of the the way that the genre works, they morph it into something that's completely different. I mean, I keep forgetting and Regulators, like I said, they're completely different songs, totally different, and yet they have the, essentially the only thing that's different is the fucking vocals and the 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 general like kind of time signature structure but for the most part it's the same it's the same instrumentals
0: i got another good example for you and tied back into the last thing i was talking about that same song old town road the very first sample Mm -hmm. that you hear in it is from nine inch nails really yeah that when you hear it like soloed out, you're like, "Oh my god, that totally sounds like something Trent Reznor will do," and then they played it up against like the actual sample, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's totally Nine Inch Nails from Nine (laughs) Inch Nails. That's awesome, (laughs) right? Totally, like so cool. Wrong genre, buddy, (laughs) but it works and it works well.
1: Well, you know what's funny about that is that rock and like, like hip hop goes with a lot of different genres, and that's that's obviously what like country has learned and uh, modern country music has tons of hip hop influences. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like there's certain, you know, Florida Georgia line songs and and, uh, Luke Bryan songs. You you could easily call them hip hop songs, but they're put into the country thing, which is, you know, the whole Little Nas X thing. I don't know. I'm sure you heard about it, but like there was a controversy for a while because the Billboard Top 100 list kicked him off of the country list. Mm -hmm. And then had these other like the country music artists that it, it was indistinguishable genre wise from Old Town Road. But they kicked him off of the Billboard Top Hundred because they said it wasn't a country song, and then that's why he actually ended up remaking it with uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, because Billy Ray Cyrus was pissed about it, and he was like, "Okay, well, how about if me, a country legend, jumps onto the track with him? Does that count as a country song now?" And then they put him back on.
0: Right. It's <laughs> a great that, story. That, that,
1: it, yeah. It's like now what he's gonna do. a great do. story.
0: What you gonna do now? Now what? Yeah. <laughs> Now it's country song. Fuck you. Yeah, it's a fucking
1: country <laughs> song. Fuck off. And, you know, you could easily put a, a lot of Florida Georgia Lions songs onto the hip-hop playlist, and, and they would be indistinguishable from other hip-hop songs besides a couple little twangy instruments. You know, I might have to check them out.
0: I, I've never really listened to them. I actually I, saw I saw them on wrestling once. They were like the special <laughs> musical act. Like, Florida Georgia Lions song is for SummerSlam or whatever. But I've I'm not a huge actually fan,
1: either. to be honest. But they're not, it's not because they're bad. It's because I don't like their genre. I'm not mm. a huge fan of the mix of country and hip hop because I'm an old school country fan. Like, I love like 70s, 80s, and 90s country. And so, like, I don't, I don't, it's not just, it's just not my genre. But I mean, Luke Bryan is a great singer. Like, he's, he's a talented. Singer And Florida Georgia Lion, they, they make catchy, great radio hits. And it's just not, like, the kind of music that I'm into. So I don't yeah. want to shit on them too much.
0: Do either of them um, sound like that guy Church?
1: Uh, Eric Church, I think it is.
0: I'm not sure what his first name is. I think when I saw his video, it just said Church, or I just heard Church. Uh-huh. He, he does, it's very hip-hop meets country. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if if that's the same kind of thing that we're talking about or if it's a Yeah, a bit of yeah, name. that's
1: what I'm talking. And I, I'm not I'm not into it, but it's you know, I have always said that I'm I'm perfectly fine listening to anything that's done well. As long as it's done well, if if even if it's not my genre, I'll listen to it. It's fine. I can appreciate good music that is done well.
0: Mhm. I can definitely get behind that.
1: That's what happens with me with a lot of, like, EDM stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the four to I'm the not floor. a huge EDM guy. <laughs> like, I know why they use the four to the floor thing, but, like, after a while, it's like, please, please change. Just please. Just do something else. Yeah. Anything. I'm on board. But at the same time, like you are saying, like, there's a couple songs that when they come on the radio, like, I can't lie, I re- <laughs> really enjoy
1: yeah, you get a little. There's a couple good you a ones. head bob going, like okay, okay. <laughs> I can get back this. I, I can get behind this. There's
0: some actually one of my favorite hip hop beats. Uh, his name is Kenny Beats. Uh, producers uh, nowadays, uh, he comes from, from the EDM world.
1: Dude, EDM. I, I have a uh, a guy that we've had on the podcast a couple of times. Um, Cosmo. His, his stage name is Remnant Died Exe. And, like, listening to him talk about music, and listening to his stuff that he's created, it's one of those things of, like, I'm not a huge EDM fan, but watching him do his thing, like, he's incredibly good. He's so talented. He's so good at what he does, and he's so dedicated to the music, and so even though it's not my genre like when i'm listening to his stuff i love it because i know him and i know what goes into it and i know how much effort he puts into it so that helps
0: i think yeah i think when you can express that you love what it is that you're doing that other people will love that yeah Yeah, again it's that weird it's that weird emotional connection thing like, when you're singing when art doesn't have it, especially in music, that's pop music. <laughs> <laughs> just Soulless but, and just sugary fast food. That's, yeah. That's, it, that's all pop music. Yeah, it's,
1: it's one of those things I always... Um, I love doing karaoke. And I always tell people whenever I'm trying to convince them to come out and, and do some karaoke. Because... Everybody always says the same thing. Like, I can't sing anything. Like, if you just have fun on stage, people will like you better than somebody who can actually sing but is clearly trying to sing well and is not having fun and is struggling. Yeah. Like, people enjoy watching someone else do what they really love to do and they, they want to do and having fun. Let and if go you go out there fun. and you sing like shit – but you're having fun doing it, you're going to get way more cheers than somebody who goes out there and is like really trying and and not looking at the audience, looking at the lyrics, and, and just like trying to sing their best. Like, that's a. That, that's okay. Well, that's not fun. That's not why we came out to get drunk and watch you sing. Yeah. We're
0: going to watch you fall on your face. No, I'm joking. Yeah. But. <laughs> I remember, I remember one time like this song. I just started. I can't remember what song I was singing. at karaoke and I look up and the guys in the first row and he's literally mouthing to his buddy. This guy is a ringer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so funny. Oh um, man.
0: They snuck me in.
1: I had this, uh, I had this drug dude come up to me and he goes, Hey man. I want I want you to sing some country music. I want to dance with my wife. <laughs> I go, brother, I'm going to sing you some country music. I say I sang this Merle Haggard song, and as soon as I started singing, uh, he, he gets up, and I thought he was going to fucking fall down. As soon as I started singing, he gets up, and he's dancing with his wife, and they're the only people up there dancing. There's this is old song, and like... I fucking he he told me afterwards he was like that made our whole night
0: that's amazing
1: (laughs) yeah it's just like going up there and having fun and and I think that that's important for all art like you've got to do what you love and you've got to do what you're passionate about um have you uh you you were on Mike's podcast weren't you
0: that's uh Um, we speak English good we speak English good yes I was
1: yeah um, He's a good kid too Oh yeah he's a great dude I was just in the chat yesterday on, on one of his and I was asking his guests like, Because this is a question I like to ask All artists And I always get the same answer But it's important for people to understand this Is Would you rather Make a song That you really love Or make a song that other people
0: love Hmm this is interesting, and I think this is where like the business aspect of trying to do what you love may come into play in yeah. my answer. Because ultimately, I would like to say the 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 right answer, which is like I just want to write a song that I love because I love it. But at the same time, I do I like you know I don't want I don't want to have a night to yeah. five anymore. And, Nate. I'm done well, with maybe working. It's, maybe it's
1: maybe a better <laughs> question of that would be like one that you love or one that your friends love because. Any artist would love to just be like, oh, yeah, I get a one hit wonder and I'm fucking good. Totally. I I need that, please. And then I can do my art. You don't like that song? That song bought
0: me this house.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I think all of us are willing to sell out at a certain point where we're like, "Okay, I will make a pop song that I'm not really into that makes me ten million dollars. Yes, of course, I'm going to do that. (laughs) <laughs> who isn't going to that's a, that'd be a ridiculous thing to add, to like be yeah. like oh you fucking sell out that that'd be insane
0: so here's um, here's so my, my counter here's my counter question to you is is wanting your friends to like the song more about wanting like the personal validation or does it have anything to do with actually wanting your songwriting to get across as good songwriting
1: oh for me like i brave validation.
0: Yeah, as human beings, I'm I think really we all, all do to a point. About that.
1: Oh my god. Like and like I'm not there's a couple of things that I'm pretty good at. I'm pretty good at singing. Um I can I can do certain types of painting pretty well. Um but for the most part, like I do a lot of different creative stuff and for the most part I'm an amateur, you know. I've just I I've been working on a little piano stuff trying to learn the piano. And trying to get into the, um, the music producing thing and just, like, getting to know music more. And I know that it's going to take me a long time to learn music as, as a more theoretical thing. And I know it's going to take me a long time to get good at, like, I'm, I'm trying to learn digital art because I've always done um, painting, like, with a brush. And I know that it's going to take me a long time to do that and to get good at that. But I still like, anytime I make something, oh man, if somebody comes in and says that, oh, that's great. It just like, it lifts my whole day. So I crave that validation. I try and fight against that <laughs> with myself. So I, like you were saying, I'd love to say that, like you said, kind of the right answer that, I just make it create things because I love to create, and they're for my for me. And and if other people love them, it's great. But I, if I'm being completely honest, I definitely crave that validation and acceptance from other people with my creative stuff. No doubt. Yeah.
0: Kind of a dual-edged sword, like the sword like that. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I think I'm honestly at a point Where I think like it's important for me To want to connect with with Other people for my music So I'm actually going to go with Oh man, you know that's a real hard question The more you think about it, ain't eh, Nate? Because I was just it about is. to 100% Go in the other direction And the last thought was like I couldn't be on stage singing a song That I hated every freaking night Because other people like it And I don't I actually got hired to, to uh, I'm going to no names are going to be used to protect the innocent, but I got hired <laughs> to, I got hired to write a song and, and in my mind, the song was a little, uh, I'll just say political in one direction that I wasn't too personally connecting with. And I had to like back out of it, even though I was getting paid. I'm like, yo, I can't do this. This, this doesn't resonate mm-hmm. with me. I just can't. But you know, ideally if you're going to get into songwriting you should, or, or performing for other people in that respect, it, or you're getting paid for it as a job, you you have to kind of separate that part of yourself from it. And I don't know if I can do that. So maybe the answer is, maybe the answer is I have to do it for me, but a lot of it is also, I have to do it for others.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, with, with my co-host Hank, I've been telling him that because he's trying to, he's a singer songwriter and he's trying to be a a more like independent artist. And I've been telling him that, that like, You've got to separate you as Hank from you as your whatever whatever the, the, the title of what you want to make it is. You've got to think of yourself as a separate entity from your singer-songwriter persona. Right. And that's going to have to be a business. And you know what? No matter what business you're in, sometimes you have to do stuff that you don't want to do. And, it, it, like, I think there's this fantasy a lot of times about being a professional artist that all professional artists, or maybe not all, but, a, like, the true ideal of a, of a professional artist is somebody who never has to do anything except for what they want to do. And they just follow their passion and their inspiration all the time. And, they, and people love it. And that's just <gasps> bullshit. That's just such a fucking fake view of what a professional artist really is. And if you, if, you, if you talk to any professional artist, and I've talked to a lot of them, they always say that I have to do a lot of stuff that I don't want to do. It's just like any other profession, any other job. Like, I have to work my ass off, and there's a lot of things that I don't want to do. Hank hates having to try and do, do like, marketing stuff.
0: Oh man! But
1: he needs to do marketing stuff, and if if he doesn't do that, he's not going to get his name out there. And his music is beautiful and wonderful, and it's it's worthy of being, like, he's worthy of being a professional artist. But if he doesn't do the business side, the marketing side, he's never going to do it. it. Like, it's not going to happen.
0: Me and Nate and have a lot in common. Any art, yeah. <laughs> I just like the marketing side I hate like honestly like because I'm a bit of an emotional person if I start to get turned down too much man I will shut down and I will not do oh, something man. for an extended period and that doesn't get me anywhere everyday neutral is a day in reverse and if you're not, yeah. if you're not <laughs> it's yeah. true
1: and you gotta uh, be moving forward or you're moving backward. there's no, <laughs> no standing still
0: <laughs> unfortunately not in this industry and yeah it's, yeah it's so important to get your name out there and uh, I'm honestly at a point where I'm like, yo, I need I need somebody who is more <laughs> focused and more organized than myself to take me on <laughs> as a client and manage my yeah. ass. Because much like your buddy Hank, like, I think I think my material is good enough to, to find the market for sure. I don't think, not to sound cocky. I think cocky. so as well. Thank you. Not to sound cocky, but I, I really think do. everybody who asserted as pretty much. Enjoyed it. actually from a marketing standpoint, I was watching some videos about marketing, and they're talking about like in my position where I rap and sing. I would almost be better off doing two EPs: one with just singing songs, one with just rapping songs, and and because it's it would be easier to reach uh, just a rap crowd as opposed to try to cross over both and vice versa. People who listen to the singing stuff may not want to hear harder rap stuff coming up on the next song or whatever. And vice versa. So yeah. you're like hitting a crossover market.
1: I I can understand that from a marketing perspective, but I mean as with my personal bias in here, like I really liked One Trick Pony. That was one of the thing I enjoyed about it was that You know perfect is a totally different song than not safe or deep inside and it it like you you demonstrate various abilities that you have as a vocalist and as a producer in these different songs and like i don't know like I I can totally understand from a marketing perspective where someone would come from, where you, you might want to do like a little bit more like genre focus, but I, that was, that was the thing. One of the things that I liked most about the album was that it did have some genre crossover and it was, um, it was diverse. And, you know, I listened to the whole thing, um, just like off of shuffle. And I didn't know what the next song was going to be like. And I have my favorites and I have my favorite kind of, um, musical elements in there, but I wanted to listen to the whole thing. Cause I didn't know what was going to, what was going to come up next.
0: That's awesome. And I got a big so. smile. If you're putting a big smile on my face right now, Nate. <laughs> I'm sitting here smirking.
1: <laughs> well, I really did enjoy the album. Um, I, I will say that um, I, I think that you got you got your I wanted to talk about the album a little bit so um, I guess this is the time but I think you put your best foot forward with Perfect I think that's your single but my personal favorite was probably Deep Inside and then, then Not Safe because I really love those those like chill guitar elements. I um I even thought I might have heard a little bit of reggae elements in there too. But there's also some rock kind of stuff in there and um I don't know if you're a fan of uh you, you like Tech9?
0: <laughs> you're actually not the first person to bring this up to me. The crazy thing is it's not that I'm not a fan. I, I like I, I do like know his songs and stuff like that but I, I can't say that I'm a big listener to his stuff. Him and Immortal Technique for some reason I get that's another rapper that I don't listen to that people think that there's uh there's a similarity which I think is great. Again, I'm not turning it down. I'm, I I welcome all the comparisons. I think it was
1: specifically not safe that I heard and it was it was kind of the rap style and you know tech 9 he has a lot of rock influences and metal influences in there and that's probably why people see that comparison is because you came from a metal kind of thing and then moved over into hip hop and i think that tech 9 probably did something similar he's obviously into rock and metal and the the way that you rap the way that your your music goes together it like it has multiple influences, and that's what I like about Tech Nine. Like he's he's a good rapper, but mo- most of the reason why I like some of his songs is because he's he's kind of a crossover genre kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the same time, I I did just hate on uh, a little bit on on that I don't really like the country hip hop crossover, <laughs> but the hip hop <laughs> rock cause <laughs> for whatever reason. It's so, not because I don't think they're they're doing good stuff, but I'm not into the country hip hop crossover. But I am into the the rap hip over hip hop uh, rock, rock crossover. Yeah, yeah. Crossover. Uh-huh. I think that it goes really well together, and I like the um. I also like the mix of of a little bit more like hardcore intense stuff, in your face stuff, and then also like a little bit more. Relaxed, chill stuff. I I thought that the whole album had a just a really nice mix of things. I enjoyed
0: it a lot. That's fantastic. I've actually been told like it sounds like it's, I I, I you know what? Even for my last EP, Phantom Claws, that uh the songs sound different, but there's like a commonality through them where it's like it's it's the same artist, but you're almost questioning if it's the same artist.
1: Yeah. And yeah like there's that's a lot of diversity in that's there. I like love it
0: that's very awesome to hear and yeah I don't, like sometimes I don't even know how to take it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you're you're an artist, you know, and that's what that's what real artists do and you know there's i know that there's people out there who can kind of like zero in on one specific thing, but in my experience, the the overwhelming majority of people who are creative, who I would I, I just like to call everybody artists, who have like a the the natural like urge to create, who can't not create without causing some kind of problem mentally, like we we have to do different stuff. We can't just do one thing all the time. It's just not how the creative mind works. And if somebody can do that, then they probably both love it, but they also have, like, a tremendous amount of discipline. And they're probably doing other stuff. Like, people don't realize a lot of times, um, like, you know, Dio. Yeah. Ronnie James Dio. Mm-hmm. He did a He did a country album. No way. Ronnie and the Prophets. No way. And... <laughs> Yep. And it's hilarious to listen to it. And, you know, it's a godfather of metal. And he created the metal horns. It, like, <laughs> literally fucking started the metal horns thing.
0: You ever hear the story behind and the metal horns album? thing? I mean, no, I haven't heard the, the
1: story. I knew Dio made him, but... He's
0: Italian by descent. Yeah. So in Italian, they have something called the cornuto, which is the, the evil eye. Like, the old Italian ladies will put the evil eye on you. And <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> that's awesome. And the horn symbol in Italian culture is supposed to ward off the evil, uh, the evil oh, uh, experience. So his grandmother used to tell him, like, yo, you gotta like like cleanse the crowd with the horns. All right, crazy. <laughs> so he'd stand there and no wave way. his arm around. <laughs> I never heard that. Right? That's awesome. Oh my god.
1: You know what I love about that, especially, is because, like, Dio was one of those people who was who was caught up in the uh, the Satanic Panic. You know what that is? Yeah. Um, with with the early rock culture, for those at home, like, because they, the early rock culture was kind of a counterculture movement, and Christianity was so um, prevalent in America at that time that they decided to co-opt some of like anti-christian stuff to to move into their their counterculture kind of kind of vibe and excuse me that's where a lot of the uh the satanic imagery from early rock culture comes from and Dio had this album cover where this demon is like like chaining up a Catholic priest and like drowning him in the ocean, <laughs> and he got so much flack for it. But I love it because what you were just saying, like like originally, that symbol, the metal horn symbol, is to ward off evil. Right. And if you listen to Dio's lyrics, it's actually like very inspiring and and. It's it's not satanic at all. It's it's very like weak against the strong and and we're going to do well and and you know I'm I'm looking out for the lost people out there. Like it's very inspiring and empathetic and kind-hearted if you listen to Dio's lyrics. But he has this um this evil kind of energy tied to him because of the metal horns thing and because of that album cover. And it's right. so funny to me that in his mind, he was fighting against evil and he was trying to uplift people and right. be positive.
0: Society has been changing narratives for a very long time. But I have to add oh, it. Yeah. I have to add myself. It's actually the, the term wasn't Cornuto. The term is actually Malocchio, which is uh, the evil eye. Cornuto is a different thing altogether. Yeah. Cornuto is a long, hard piece of shit. So I'm not too sure why I got those two things confused. <laughs> but that's what just happened.
1: Oh, man. I'm going to have to take a cornuto here pretty soon. Very um,
0: very much used as a swear word. Just call people a cornuto anytime you want, you fucking cornuto. I can't believe you did that.
1: Uh, ¿tú hablas español?
0: <laughs> Do I speak Spanish? Was that the question sí. there? Uh, I understand a little bit because of the crossover the, the the Latin based language thing but uh no I can't say that I do
1: I gotcha yeah I, I I speak I speak a little bit of Spanish due to my professions over the years which have been uh, my day jobs have been kitchen chef and ranching nice <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah I've, I've got a lot of Honduran and Mexican friends and uh, Cuban friends and nice. um,
0: so this I've, is great I've
1: picked up a decent amount of Spanish in high school
0: in high school my best my best two friends were were, were Spanish guys uh, like they' honestly not even to be like the stereotype but they both fit the stereotype of the really really good looking Latin guy very suave with the girls. <laughs> all the girls wanted them I'm like five six like 200 pounds like bald head, like hair on my back <laughs> like the whole deal. And uh, <laughs> so I got to see them, like, work their magic. But anyway, that's not even the reason why I'm telling the story. But the reason why I'm telling the story is the language thing, right? So I'd show up to my buddy Greg's house, and uh, he's from uh, Uruguay. And his mom would answer the door. And you probably already kind of know where this is going. She'd turn around and she'd call out to me, hey, Greg, gordito aquí. And I'm uh, in my head, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Why are you calling me a pig? I just got here. Can I... <laughs> <laughs> Can I- can I take my shoes off before we start getting into the insults? Like, I know culturally <laughs> the Ito thing is supposed to be cute. You uh, put callate, Ito puta. at the end of everything to make it sweet, right? To make, oh, my little, <laughs> oh, my little pig, you're so cute.
1: Oh, fucking.
0: <laughs> God, <ito. laughs> like, wow, man, give oh, me five man. minutes.
1: Dude, Latin, Latin mothers and grandmothers can be fucking brutal. Oh, they're the best. (laughs) I walked in, I walked into uh, my friend's house in uh, Arizona when I was still living in Arizona. I was, uh, I was playing basketball with my friend down in uh, South Tucson. And I walk into his house and I hear his grandmother saying essentially like, what the fuck is this white boy doing in our home? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he goes, he goes, he goes. Don't worry, he's white, but he works like a Mexican. He works on the ranch with. Him. And she goes, okay, okay, he can come in. <laughs> like,
0: oh, he's good, he's good. He passes the test. Yeah.
1: Later on, she gave me a shot of tequila. It was great.
0: That's how you <laughs> had a you great know.
1: time. I fucking, I, I honestly, I love Latin people. I love Hispanics. They. I've, I've spent a lot of time around them and I have a lot of friends who are, um, like I said, usually either Mexican, Honduran or Cuban, mostly Mexican and Honduran. And it's, they have such a fun culture and, and it's, it's very real. It's very down to earth,
0: mm-hmm. very family based. So yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's very
1: family based. It Look. can be a little abrasive if you're not used to it, <laughs> but I love them. But I did um, one thing I wanted to ask you about. For we gotta, I figured we wrap it up here in a little bit. We're about we're about at an hour. Um, first of all, I I have your EP on Spotify Spotify your album i should say on spotify um your ep uh i i couldn't find it where is that
0: which which one are we discussing here
1: so i have one trick pony on spotify but i right. uh, your your ep i didn't see it on there
0: I'm still not, I'm you know what I'm honestly not even sure if I'm understanding the question, isn't that both one and the same thing?
1: Um, well, an album is, is one thing, but I was talking about the other one you you mentioned. Uh, oh, Phantom, Phantom Claws. Yeah, Phantom Claws. Yeah, that's, that's what
0: I meant. Uh, you know what I have I've again the whole business side of things, right? Like I have a. Oh whole, no, you're fine. I have uh, Phantom Claws is a is a four song EP that I did in 2017, yeah. I believe. That I haven't uploaded to Spotify. I have another okay. full album called "And um, Phantom Claws and Heroic Doses 2, which is another psychedelic reference. Yeah, that reference. was the other
1: one that I, I heard you talking about on, uh, on Valo's podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I haven't heard either Phantom Claws or Heroic Doses. Dang, and son. I was looking for those, but like I... I'll hook you I, up. I, I just found One Trick Pony on Spotify yeah, so yeah, I haven't I uploaded those.
0: I need to get to it and like re-upload some of that stuff. I actually had a little bit. I don't know if you if you've uploaded a lot of stuff to Spotify. I had a a bit of a trouble with TuneCore. Like I, I had my stuff up with TuneCore. I took it back down. I redistributed with uh, DistroKid, which is who I'm with now.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: TuneCore wouldn't take my old page down because I originally put heroic doses up there with them. So I had to take all of the songs down off it. It's just. This whole big mess, so I was a little tentative in putting everything back up, but I have to. Uh, Heroic Doses and Phantom Claws, I did everything by myself. I did all the beats and everything. I did go to a professional studio, I lie, uh, and I worked with, he was a heavy metal producer named Greg (laughs) Dawson. He's in a band called Old, and he is one of the best guitar players I have ever heard in my life. And it's really great to see him playing stuff that's not metal, because he's... He doesn't concentrate it on on like non-metal playing very much but he like again so talented and so freaking good working on melodies with him was amazing but I did I wrote everything through the keyboard on on one trick pony or sorry on uh Doses too uh drums horns uh, whatever you hear on there is me I love that well um first of all
1: I did want to ask you real quick before we get going. You got a little more time?
0: Oh, yeah, man. I feel like we just got started. I'm ready to give you another hour if <laughs> need to be.
1: I got a little more time. I <laughs> got to get going here fairly soon, but I got a little more time. Um, I wanted to ask you about on heroic doses. Um, the, the name obviously is something that I very much recognize yes from Terrence McKenna yes Um, and he was talking about mushroom doses yes and um, to Terrence McKenna I believe it was uh, like of high quality mushrooms like a five gram plus dose in a in a dark room by yourself yeah and I wanted to ask you have you ever have you ever done a heroic dose
0: okay to be completely honest I actually have not because one, <laughs> one sends me through the sky. Like, I'll, Dude, it, I got, so I, I don't know how much, again, how much time you got, but I recently. Five grams is so fucking much. Nate. For uh, a normal person. Nathan Sweet. I recently did DMT for the first time.
1: Really? Yes. Tell me about it. I okay. want to hear. Okay,
0: so right before. The whole thing kicked off. A buddy of mine brought it over. And it's funny because we, we didn't even know how to do it necessarily. So we we're like, okay, you know what? Let's go look it up on YouTube or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So he comes back. He's like, yeah, we got to get a meth pipe. And I'm like, yeah, there's something about the words meth pipe that don't really, like, ins- <laughs> imbue <laughs> confidence in me. <laughs> like, I don't know. Crack <laughs> crack <pipe laughs> so he comes over with a couple <laughs> of crack pipes. Oh, seems so sketchy. It's like, I'm smoking
1: crystals at this point. <laughs> Am I... <laughs> Am so, I one of those kinds
0: of people? So he is actually a social worker, and he works downtown. He just has access to a lot of crack pipes. Mm-hmm. Clean, obviously, <laughs> new. We're ready to go right out the bag. He has access to a lot of crack
1: pipes. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. So he comes over, right? And I'm, uh, again, watching another video. And um, the, 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 he was a doctor or a Ph.D., and he's explaining okay so basically what happens is the first hit is kind of just to like get it into your system
1: the second mm-hmm. hit
0: is like 0 to 6 hits of acid in like 10 seconds and oh then the God, third man. one if you can handle taking another hit in that state the third one is what gets you talking to the the the, the, the strands <laughs> of the universe
1: talking <laughs> to gods <laughs> <laughs> talking so, to something out there aliens god whatever you want to call it you're you're communicating with something so my buddy i've actually never done dmt no i have done a heroic dose
0: so my buddy goes first and uh he doesn't catch whatsoever so I, really yeah so i go i i guess he just didn't hit it properly he hit enough of
1: yeah it. i was about to say he probably didn't didn't like inhale it
0: yeah, right? yeah we weren't cooking it properly or something he was the guinea pig so the experiment failed on him but it didn't on me. So we <laughs> we did the, I took the first hit and I'm like, yo man, I don't even know if this is working for me. We did the second hit and all of a sudden I could barely stand. It was a struggle to get to the couch. I was like, Oh my God, it's, <laughs> it's working. My buddy's walking. I'm like, how are you walking right now, man? And I'm like, like I said like struggling to get to the couch and then i look up and we had youtube playing and oddly enough a tool song was playing and oh my god i can't even oh remember. perfect it was fear inoculum which even crazier is because later on he was in an interview with rogan where he was explaining how that song is about dmt and how he wanted his voice in that song to be like the guiding light for anybody on a dmt trip so i'm glued yeah. to my couch absolutely glued to my couch <laughs> <laughs> Just listening to this song for what feels like an eternity and all of the visual graphics on the TV had now become 3D and were completely surrounding me. <laughs> uh, obviously, I'm looking over my buddy. Yeah, did and you
1: look at... Was that the one with the, the Alex Gray... Thing with like the that type of imagery, yeah. The, the, yes, with the eyeballs style. and it's got, uh, yeah, yeah. That's Alex Gray painted that specific yeah. album artwork for he, Tool. He's been working with and Tool they for a did long time. that album artwork after taking DMT.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, it friggin' lined up like it was goddamn supposed to. But I, I, I can be, to be like, to, oh my god, to be completely honest. I started, like, doing breathing exercises. I'm like, no, I must keep here. I must keep my soul on this plane. i got to ground myself. I am not ready to take the next step in this trip.
1: (laughs) That's awesome, dude.
0: But I do have some more. Oh, yeah? Should I be admitting to that on the...
1: Um, you know interwebs? I don't think any police officers are listening to this if uh, by the way this is all a joke these are these are this is fictional. Um, the whole thing's fiction yeah this is this is just for uh entertainment purposes I think this is there's, a character uh, there's no reality to anything we're saying
0: I've never sang a day in my um, life
1: and with that uh I'll tell you about it. when I took seven grams of mushrooms please do <laughs> um. So seven? That's I, crazy. <laughs> yeah, I took seven grams of mushrooms by myself and uh full-on heroic dose. And I I actually called uh, my co-host, Hank, and I, I told him a little bit, it, like, in the day, I was like, hey, man, I've got seven grams of mushrooms, and I'm going to take it in a little bit, and I'm going to call you later. And so I called him later after I had taken him and I was already starting to come up and I'm looking at my fucking carpet and it's starting to go wild. And, um, <laughs> I have a conversation with him and, and at the at the beginning of the conversation, I was like, yeah, it's just, just starting to hit me. I am just starting to see some stuff. And by the end of the conversation, I'm just sitting here like, Oh my God, I see the fucking meaning of the universe, dude. <laughs> like I was, I had to, I had to, and, and luckily Hank is, is, uh, he knows what's going on with this sort of thing, so he was, he told me right at the beginning, like, whenever you're ready to get off the phone, you can just hang up on me, so at some point I was like, okay, I gotta get off the phone, and I fucking go into my room, and I, I'm listening to some music, and I... I'll always say this because it, it really ha- is how I felt in the moment. But I leaned up against the wall because I felt like I couldn't stand much longer. And I, I started to see these like lights in my eyes. and I felt like I got a hug from God.
0: That's awesome. Like I,
1: fe- <laughs> I felt like my body was like embraced by this, this weird, Energy and then I, I slowly kind of like lowered myself to the floor, laid back on the floor. And as soon as my head hit the carpet, I was just like blasted out of my body into this, um, this space of just like nothing but color. And I felt like there was an audience there. And they, I heard, I, I saw and heard all this. This is a, one of the only times I've ever had like an actual. Full blown hallucination, where I saw something like it's not just like patterns on the wall. Like I saw something that wasn't there, and they like this audience was like full of like childlike beings that were cheering me on for being there, and they were like kind of like laughing that I was there. They're like, "Look, he's doing it," <laughs> and it was like, it, it was like a bunch of childlike beings that were laughing at me. For being such a shithead and for being so caught up in my life. And um, the other most profound thing that I think this is the most profound thing that I experienced on it was that I saw my myself in my room, like dicking around on psychedelics. And then I saw this like, like it zoomed out and I saw this like grid pattern of different me's all doing different things in my room all all at the same time and it was this this idea of like like what you're doing is part of this like infinite lattice of what you could possibly do and it doesn't really matter that much like you could do whatever the fuck you want to do you're totally capable of doing anything that you want to do and no one is better or worse than the other and that was really when I, when I felt like this, this real connection to, to something greater than myself. And it was just like, oh man, I, this me, Nate Sweet doesn't matter all that much. What really matters is just trying to experience things and trying to enjoy things and, you know, being as good of a person as I can, not hurting people, that's important. But for the most part, I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. I don't have to be something special. I don't have to be the greatest this or that that's ever lived. I can just do whatever I want to do and enjoy myself in that. And that's a good life.
0: Yeah, very poignant.
1: I think that's what these... Substances teach us really is that we don't need to worry too much about what we're doing,
0: yeah. I think mean, that's we why just I lo- do what we love, and that's what heroic doses is for, right? Is for like um, introspection, potential healing. I think that's what you even hear like ayahuasca stories of people coming back and they're they no longer have certain addictions. Or it's not necessarily that it does anything to heal that addiction, but like it gives you that enlightenment, like that you similar to what you just had where maybe happiness is not the path that they're on at that time like, yeah. I'll be completely honest when I first started with psychedelics it was for, it was for party use like back in the day of course and uh, That's what we all do yeah and now having uh, fun yeah and now I, I it's very much about introspection and, and and looking for alternate ways of making this experience more uh, palatable. Actually really quick I got one hallucination Story for you So I'm on like A hit of acid At this like College party Like somewhere Downtown Toronto And um I look over at my buddy, and he's rolling, and I'm with this girl that's over here with us. And uh, she's a really pretty girl. I had a, actually a really big crush on her at the time. And I look at her, and her face looked like plasticine. And I swear to God, I stood there looking at her going, <laughs> like, you look so ugly right now. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, thanks, Paul. This is fantastic. And I look over at the window, and there's, there's this girl sitting at the window. She's smoking a cigarette, right? So she goes to take a hit. And the cherry of the cigarette, you know when it gets brighter? It blew yeah. up It blew up to like a, the size of her head or a little bit bigger than her head. Like, it could not see her face behind this massive cherry of a cigarette. And then the second she started to exhale, the entire thing deflated back to normal cigarette size. And then it, very much in the style of Roger Rabbit, like the cartooning of <laughs> Roger Rabbit. <And> I remember <laughs> looking around the room going, did anybody else see that? And everyone's looking at me like, what the fuck is this guy on?
1: A lot. That's what I'm on.
0: Good stuff, apparently. But I've never had anything. Real good stuff. Never had anything. Thank you. Never had anything uh, profound like that yet. But um, the travels will continue.
1: Well, you know, I would actually argue that you have had plenty of things that profound. Because what I think that psychedelics do is they give us a window into what's actually going on in our lives. And that's what that, that heroic dose did to me was I looked at myself in a, in a different way. And I realized that like, okay, all this crazy stuff that I think about that I'm just trying, I'm, I'm here to experience life. I'm here to um, to go through a process. There's something greater than myself out there. There's more than just empty void. Like, it shows you this kind of thing. So, like, I, I think that what you're talking about, like, that's an important part of the experience of like, Is anybody else fucking seeing this shit? (laughs) Like, is it it just me? Um, And a lot of times it, it is. It is just you that's seeing this. And that's why it's special. It's like you get to experience this. But you're also, at the same time, you get to experience how you're part of everything else. And that's what makes you special. Is that nobody could make One Trick Pony except for Tank Diggs. Except for Paul Caruso. Thank you. Nobody I, can make that.
0: I am the One Trick Pony. Thank you.
1: You are the One Trick no, I would say no. I disagree. That's very. You're not the one trick pony. You got well, lots of tricks. That's that's, <laughs> that's
0: the funny thing about the name is because that's honestly where it comes from. or music in general, I yeah. feel very much like I don't like not in a, in a negative way or degrading way, but I very much feel like I'm a one trick pony. Where like that's that's my thing. That's that's me. Um, but in the same vein, like how we we're talking about pretty much this through this conversation. Is that I'm definitely not a one trick pony because within that realm of music, again, not to sound cocky, but I think I can really do anything. Scream, rap, scream. No, sing, that's a, that's whatever needs to be done. It. So I, de- I love that. I definitely have some tricks. But I at the same time, that's that I am that's me. Even the, the art yeah. uh, the artwork on the cover the the one the one legged horse halfway I love the artwork halfway to the who, glue who did factory the for you? another rapper friend of mine his name is uh, Cabal we actually did an I album love that. we did an EP together called High Priest I'll send you that too it's all on my Bandcamp yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, that was really it's a great album artwork
1: yeah so
0: <laughs> the idea behind it was you know like again is that the horse represents me. And I feel like mm-hmm. I'm because I'm getting older and this music career is something that we didn't even get into so much shit, dude. We need to do a part two, ain't it? But <laughs> but yes, uh, because, I because I feel like time is very much passing me by and there's still so much I want to accomplish, I am that horse in the field with one leg looking behind me at that glue factory, nervously looking at that birthday cake going, I don't know, man, how many years do I got before I'm in that glue factory, son? Like, oh <laughs> my gosh.
1: Tank, bro, like Hank and I have talked about this a lot because um I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm I'm about to turn 30 here pretty soon and like I've just I feel like I've just started to get into what I really want to do and what I who I really want to be and i think that we often fall into this trap of what like what's the point because i don't have enough time to do what i want to do and to be who i want to be and it's bullshit it's not it's just like this weird kind of depressive crutch that that jumps into us but ultimately like For me, doing this podcast, singing, you know, doing visual art—like that's whenever I'm doing that, I know that that's what I need to be doing. I know that's that's what I want to be doing. And I think that one of the reasons we get into this idea of like, oh, well, fuck, I don't have enough time to do that. What am what? I didn't start whenever I was 13 years old. What's the point of doing this? It's just like this it's resistance. you um, I think I remember you talking to Vallo about how you you read the War of Art, right?
0: Yes, love that book.
1: Incredible book. It's um, we've actually done a podcast about it. Um, so like that's resistance. That is like textbook resistance is <laughs> that I don't have enough time because I'm too old, I haven't started early enough. I I I don't have I don't have the discipline to to buckle down and, and go crazy on it. So, what's the point of doing what I want to do creatively? That is that is totally resistance right there, and it's false. And we have plenty of time to do it, and you've already proven it through what you've put out, and I've proven it through what I've put put out and like we can, we can do what we want to do. We can be who we want to be, and you know it doesn't fucking matter if if we're not famous, if we're not incredibly successful. Maybe a little harder if we don't, if we're not able to make money. I I, I hope that we're both able to make some money. Me too. And to <laughs> like like support ourselves with our art.
0: I don't like nine to five our, jobs. Our creative
1: output. But yeah, me neither. But no matter what, like what we're doing is worthwhile and it means a lot to ourselves most importantly, but it also means a lot to other people. I know that there's people who like your music and I'm one of them. I know there's people who like my podcast. I know there's people who like my art. I know there's people who appreciate who you are as a creator and who I am as a creator. And if we just give up and we just say fuck it now there's no there's no point in doing this like we're taking it away from those people and just because it's not a million people that doesn't that didn't mean anything yeah. we have fans we have people who like our art like what we put out and as long as there's one person and I can be that one person who likes my stuff I'm gonna keep on putting it out there, and I know you are too.
0: I can't stop anymore. I know we don't have enough time to get into it, but um, the biggest regret, but <laughs> the biggest regret for me was was stopping. I stopped, then I uh, my dad was like, "Let me get you a job as a janitor." My last band had broken up. It was more at the time it was more money than I had made. I was feeling really hurt. I didn't want to start over again. I didn't want to start over again with strangers. At the time, I wa- didn't know how to make my own music or know how to make my own beats because I was just primarily a singer-songwriter. So I kind of gave up on it, and I lost 10 years. I spent 11 years working as a janitor for the Toronto Catholic District School Board. <laughs> and For some people, that is actually a great job. But being a creative person who wanted to write, who wanted to go out there and accomplish, who wanted to, to test his mettle and prove himself, I very much believe that I'm... Ever since I was a little kid, I very much believed that I was meant to do this. And I, again, I know there's an audience out there for me, but I lost so much time. I should be I should be standing on the 10 years of work that I should have put into this by this point in time in my life, but I passed on that 10 years. <coughs> so it's it's a motivation and at the same time I'm it's it's right very much you, it's very much a fear at the same time.
1: I'm right there with you, brother. 10 years. I I've been working in construction or ranching for ten years now. I only just recently realized well i I shouldn't say recently, but i I fairly recently realized that I was a more creative person that that's the biggest thing that was missing in my life. And I've only fairly recently realized that I want to do this in a professional sense. and I feel like. I have wasted or I don't even like to use the word wasted. I have missed out on so much time to develop who I want to be that there's no reason to to even start it. And it's not true, man. Yeah. It's really not true. Yeah. We can get there. And I've listened to your music. I know that you're good. Like you have the capability to to do great things and you've already put out great stuff like you you have everything you need to be a great musical artist and you're like if you keep on working at it if you keep on putting in effort and time and discipline into it you're gonna get there it may not be you know some something super successful and crazy but you're gonna get there. You're gonna get to where you want to be, at least in the in the most basic sense of being able to support yourself with your art. Like you'll get there. Yeah. As long as you keep it up.
0: Yeah, I actually came. And I will too. I came really close actually recently. I made a really big connection with XO Records. I went on a spur of the moment audition for the weekend's manager and actually spoke to him on the phone. Dude, we need another hour, man.
1: Hey, you know. <laughs> I I want to I want to have another episode with you, Tank, I, because I I want to have you back on for sure. Yeah, no doubt.
0: Yeah, uh, you know what? As a final word to, on what we we're just talking about, to any young artists that are out there, I've actually told this to my cousin, who's very much younger than me, and is trying to get into acting. I asked her if she had a plan B, and she said yes. And I said, "Fuck your plan B. It's plan A all the goddamn way. There is no room for plan B." everything must be in plan a
1: (laughs) that's right plan a be what you want to be be who you want to be do what you want to do plan a fuck plan b (laughs) i love it i love that all right well i think we can end on that note amazing all right. Well, thank you, Tank, so much for coming on. I've loved this conversation. Definitely want to have you on for part two.
0: I very much <laughs> enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed it.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to put all your links into the description. So everybody check that out. One Trick Pony on Spotify. Um, and I'll put the links for all everything else you've got and your your different uh appearances on other podcasts and we're gonna have you on again awesome. so i expect you to have more for me to plug next time i have you on
0: i hope i hope to as well <laughs> <Alrighty>. <laughs> all right
1: all right brother you, thank you i appreciate you
0: me too are you too <laughs> i appreciate <laughs> myself as well all right brother <laughs> it was great
1: Yes, sir. Bye, everybody. There you have it, folks. Thanks again for listening. And a big thank you to Paul for coming on the show. And don't forget to check out the show description for all the links you need to find Tank Diggs and his awesome music.
0: See you next week, everybody.